Welcome to Centering, the podcast on Asian American Christianity, a conversation centering Christ and Asian American perspectives, featuring Daniel Lee, theology and ministry professor at Fuller Seminary. Welcome, uh, listeners, to Centering. We uh, want to thank you as we uh, end our first season. So we thank you for tuning in, and we really do hope it's been helpful. So please write us, email us, let us know how we're doing. Today we're going to wrap up by asking the question, should we have Asian American churches? So Daniel Lee's with me. Um, Daniel, I'm assuming that this is a question that gets posed to you. (laughs) I don't know how frequently or occasionally, but it's a question that I know is being asked and has been asked. Well, well, let me, uh, let me tell you an anecdote. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine who pastors in the East Coast, they have a predominantly Korean American church, but they're not, they're not trying to be Korean American. They're open to everybody. And he said, you know, People ask me often, why are we not diverse? Why are we not the New Testament church? You know, and he says sometimes he gets this gnawing shame, the fact that they are not diverse, hmm. right? And so that got me really thinking, well, what does that mean? Like, and what is, how do we make sense of that? So there's that. And then this other thing where I've heard too many people say, our church is a picture of heaven. I was like, picture of heaven? Well, we have one of each. I'm like, one of which what? And so this idea of the fact that multi-ethnic churches, which they really mean multi-racial churches, or, you know, yeah. is a picture of heavens. And, and I have questions about that. So I think this is basically kind of how, uh, how I've been kind of struggling with this thing and trying to make some, get some answers for these, these questions that people are asking. Yeah. Uh, I know that in research, folks who tend to this kind of stuff, multi-ethnic churches and so forth. There's actually a technical definition for being multi-ethnic. Can you speak to that before we kind of move on from here? Yeah. It's called United by, United by Faith. It's actually the second kind of volume. Uh, first book was uh, Divided by Faith. This book is called United by Faith. And, by Christian Smith. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, the, and uh, their definition of, they said, well, according to our research, it's uh, 2080, right? That's the definition, which, uh, you know, it's not biblical. It's just like something that kind of just... Arbitrary. Right, so <laughs> pretty, pretty arbitrary. Because it doesn't really break this down. So if you have 20% not of that particular, you know, ethnic right, background, racial background, that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, does it matter if it's, if it's 20% of like anything? Or if the 80% is, for example, Asian American or African American, 20% is not, like, does it make a difference? Because we live in a particular social, racial context. It's almost as though the, the, the 2080 is kind of applied across the board mm-hmm. in some abstract way. And the question is, that's not where we live, right? It's like the general idea of multiculturalism being defected. Oh, we want to hear everybody's perspective and as though the white perspective and the Hispanic perspective and the Asian American perspective are all on the same playing, like, you know, level playing, which is not true. So that's basically, I think, how my question is about this 2080, but that's basically a lot of times how it's defined. 20, 80%, right? 20% more than diverse people, not of the majority. 
And so if, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, we, our churches are always in context. And so it makes a big difference whether or not the 80% is assumed to be white and so the 20 is other, let's say Asian American, versus the 20% is Asian American, so the leaders are Asian American, and 80% of the congregation is white. Those are very different dynamics. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. And like I said, um, this book, <laughs> not if I fade, which I kind of laugh at it. I mean, it's because um, the Asian American section basically says, well, Asian Americans generally, we kind of assimilate. And I was like, well, you know, there's incredible diversity uh, within the Asian American community. So uh, they're really talking about multiracial, isn't it? But we've talked about in this whole season about the problem of, of pan ethnicity or Asian American racialized identity of having to be lumped or kind of having to kind of own this identity altogether. And the question is if you have a pan Asian ministry, would these people, people talk about Asian American, pan Asian ministry, would they consider it to be a multi ethnic church? Yeah. Why would you not? Right. right? Yeah, multicultural church. Like let's say you have, uh, you, I mean, it's rare to have this diverse, but like let's say if you have Southeast Asians, Southeast Asians, and you know, like East Asians, all in one church. Now, some people might be like, that's you people all together. But the question is, why do you say that? Like, based on what? Right. Uh, based on sociology? Based on racial, you know, uh, studies of racialization? Or, I mean, it can't be theological because theology doesn't divide up that way. So, by what sense are we talking about a multiracial identity? In what sense is it relevant? In what sense is it not? What are the pros and cons? What are the challenges of that? What I'm problematizing is this very simple narrative of the fact that multiracial churches, very specifically of multi different races in one church, is a picture of heaven, whereas everything is not. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would even support that biblically. It, it just you can't. It's actually kind of a I call that like kind of a cultural uh, my fighting words here. I call that kind of it's propaganda. Right. Uh, let's unpack this thing. In what sense is it relevant? In what sense is it kind of a cultural propaganda that we've kind of digested? It, and, and we ignore all the problems that come with a multiracial churches. Okay, so I want to have you speak to, uh, because it's used so often, the quote from Martin Luther King that Sundays are still the most segregated hour during the week as a way of, I think communicating that somehow it's problematic that we have ethnic or racial specific groups or churches. Can you speak to that? <laughs> Let's first start the two things I want to say. First thing is race is a real problem in America. Through theology, we cannot get rid of race. race I mean, people can say, well, race is a social construct. Yes. And this is what I've said, like uh, the driving laws that we have, right? About just traffic laws. I mean, they're a social contract, but they actually have a real impact on our lives, right? So you can be like, well, that's a social contract. It doesn't matter. I'm like, well, I mean, obviously it has a profound impact into how we see ourselves. So just by talking about the fact that it doesn't have a biological or genetic foundation or even like a you know, biblical foundation, it doesn't mean it's not important. I think we want to, we need to figure out how does the church interact with the problem of race in America, and it's a real problem. It has deep historical roots. It is not something we can ignore. So let's just make sure that that's clear. Now, this idea, this MLK quote that people keep on quoting, which is anachronistic. Hmm. It is it is false to actually repeat that over and over again. Why? 
Because after the 1965 Immigration Act, to repeat that is nonsense. It's not, and segregation is such a loaded term. Like when Hispanics and Asian Americans started having their churches, they weren't trying to, they weren't kicked out of the white church. They wanted to have, they brought their Christianity with them. To talk that way and to frame it as segregation is really fraught, not in an accurate way. It's not like the black church where they were literally kicked out, had to have their own churches. If you frame it that way, it's anachronistic and it's not true. Now, do we have a problem of, of division? Yes, it's a very severe problem. But talking it as, as though it's segregation purely, it's not true. And I think people, people technically who study these things know better or should know better. The fact that segregation is not really the best way of framing what's, what's going on here. And I imagine it's particularly problematic if it's a white leader saying this. Uh, I'm Japanese American, so I remember as a kid, I used to play in the Japanese sports leagues. And I remember my non Japanese friends uh, would always ask me what I do on Sundays. I said, I'm playing basketball or baseball in these leagues. Could I join? I said, Well, no, because you need to be of, <laughs> of um, a certain racial or ethnic background. And they said, Well, that's racist. And many of these leagues began because we were not allowed to play in the predominantly white leagues, you know, and so we had to create our own leagues. So is that something similar that we're seeing and have seen in ethnic specific churches? Yeah, you know, I think one way of thinking about this is that so that those kids, they're actually talking as though there's no history of race. There's no history of racialization. There's no history of racism. If you erase the history, then a lot of things that we do make no sense. Like affirmative action, it makes no sense if you get rid of history. Like all these people who are not qualified or whatever. I mean, like, <laughs> there's a longer history, like structural, deeply rooted history that in, within our social institutions, right, government and legal institutions that's basically propagated these divisions. If you get rid of those things, it makes no sense and you can't explain it that way. But if you bring that in, it makes a lot of sense. Like in the 60s, the Methodist Church, said, oh, we don't want to have segregated churches anymore. And there were a lot of Japanese-American Methodist churches. What they did was they absorbed the Japanese-American churches that said, you shouldn't be segregated, we'll bring you in. It decimated the Japanese-American church. Why? Because Japanese-American leaders couldn't be leaders in this new integrated church. Mm. Basically killed it, right? Mm. And by the time they tried to recover, the damage was already done. You basically destroyed the whole generation. The question is, what are the power dynamics of what it looks like? These are deep societal, cultural uh, legacies and continuing powers uh, of race and racism that we can't really, we might not immediately see, but it's definitely there. So unless you understand that or take that into, con into consideration, what we're seeing around us is incomprehensible. And a lot of people want to jump from scripture and saying, well, here are the Bible verses. This is what it should look like. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. When we read the Bible, it's not just proof texting. Here's a Bible verse. And that's basically why we ended up with slavery and you know everything else, right? Mm -hmm. You just point to Bible verses and say, no, that's not how we read scripture. Mm -hmm. How do we understand how God speaks through scripture? It's a lot more complicated and actually a lot more uh, theologically rich. And uh, it's a process uh, that has to be theologically informed. That's kind of like, the, once again, background of how we address these kind of problems. Without that, 
what we're talking about is incomprehensible. Mm. But all we have are these, these little short snippets that we create more problems. Yeah. I was reminded of a prominent uh, Asian American pastor. He tells us a story of being with some white colleagues. He said, oh, why do we have to have ethnic, ethnic churches? Why doesn't everyone worship together? And so this prominent Asian American pastor said, so when are you coming to my church? And they were shocked because they all assumed that all the, the, the non-white folks are going <laughs> to actually worship with them you know, and basically extinguish you know, the differences that are real. So let's go back to the original question. So what's the value and importance of having Asian American churches or ethnic specific churches? I think one way I'm thinking about it is that the churches that we have, no church is culturally neutral, nor is it like this church is biblical. Let's start with that. Hmm. Let's think about what's happening in England. What, what they did in the UK was they realized that a lot of the Anglican churches weren't, they were too white basically mm. to reach what was happening in, in the UK. They needed to figure out, so they talk, start talking about mission-shaped church. How do, how do we reach these people? They realized, oh my gosh, we have to actually create ethnic-specific churches. We are never going to reach out to these people, right? Because they were, what they were doing was they were giving them the gospel, they were, they, but they were giving them a very particular cultural expression of the gospel. Yeah. And they thought that was just biblical. Now the question is, a lot of times if you're, if you're like a white church, I mean, people can call it euphemized and basically talking about it as a you know, majority church, but it's basically a white church, right? So in those churches, I think often because of white normativity, that culture is invisible. Like you don't realize the fact that it's it's contextualized because every finish is contextual. It's a contextualized for a particular you know situation yeah, yeah. and to a particular demographic. And if you go there, you'll realize you'll get a ministry that's contextualized for a particular kind of people, but it might not address your particular kind of issues and struggles, right? Yeah. This is what people don't understand. All ministries are contextualized. All ministries are specific. So the question is, in what sense and and who are the focus? Of, of that particular ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So th- to your point, there's not a neutral gospel or a pure gospel in that sense, right? It's all contextualized. And so you're saying that that we need to have all kinds of different churches to to appreciate and celebrate the cultural differences that we have. Yeah, and I think one way of thinking about it is what are the pros and cons? Or actually what are, what are the benefits and what are the challenges? of a multi-ethnic church, mm-hmm. you know, more diverse church, like multi-racial church. And uh, what are the benefits and challenges of a particularly ethnic church or, you know, pan-Asian church, mm-hmm. right? Because if you think of it this way, it's not so much as though one is a picture of heaven and other one's not. Let's talk about like the multi-ethnic church because once again, I think the idea is the fact that well, we have everybody, we're a picture of heaven. Every church even though they might have multiple people, will have a core church culture. Mm-hmm. And what we, people realize is that a lot of these churches, uh, if it's led by a white person, actually had a white culture they weren't naming. Yes. And they thought it was a gospel culture, right? Yes. And some people say, well, it'll be that kind of a mestizo culture, it'll be like a mixed... I'm like, you can talk that way, but in the end, if the pastor, if you don't have multiple staff people... In one sense, if it's so mixed up, you might not have any culture. It's just a, you know, you have no coherence. If you have coherence, it's going to be predominantly white. 
there's actually a, a New York Times article that came out that talks about this exodus that African Americans are having because uh, from these so-called multi-ethnic churches, right? Because they were going to these churches and when all this racial dynamics happened and all the white nationalism, nationalism arose in the church, these churches, so-called multi-ethnic churches, said nothing. They're like, what's well, not my issue? Why? Because predominant culture of these churches were white, yeah. right? So they, and it, it turned out that uh, minorities who went to those kind of churches were becoming even dumber to explain what was really happening. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the challenge. It's really difficult to do and to realize the fact that you have a particular uh, culture and if you don't own it, you're going to actually end up conflating whatever that common culture is with, with what the gospel. Yes. And that's the negative. I mean, obviously the positive things in a multi-ethnic, you know, diverse church. Yeah. We're not saying that. We're not saying it's not good. We're saying unless you see the fact that it's really complicating, you're, you're going to basically think that you're more spiritual and look down upon other churches and be blind to your struggles. Yes. And so <clears throat> this goes to how we read scripture, everything, right? If we don't name our particular social location, as we call it, we assume right that the way we're doing things and reading things is the way i was at an event here at fuller and we were placed at tables based on our church's ethnicity and so there was a black table there was a latinx table and there was an asian american table and then there was a multi-ethnic church table and so by definition the church i was pastoring which I would consider an Asian American multicultural church, could have been at the multi-ethnic table. Because the, the demographic of the church, your church was what? We were 60% Asian American, which was very Pan-Asian in and of itself. Lots of different ethnicities within that. White and uh, mostly uh, Latino. So, But to your point, we tried to be honest and say, but the p- predominant culture here is an Asian American one. And then if they press me, it's like, and within that, it's probably a Japanese-American culture because of who I am. And so I went to one of the conveners of the, of the conference. I said, how come I'm not at that table, meaning the multicultural table? And I think the person was actually stunned because the people who are sitting at that table, I think, were folks who predominantly white males pastoring churches for whom there were maybe 20% other. Right, or black, right? White or black, basically, right? And this particular event was, <laughs> was white. <laughs> well, once again, I think part of this has to do with the idea of white normativity. I and mean, this is something that I've kind of you know, bought into for a long time, right? It's the idea of the fact that white people are neutral. They're literally white. There's actually a white blank slate. So we are neutral. We can convene. We can actually minister to everybody else. We don't realize the fact that that's actually an a, a ideology. It's a racial ideology, right? And that does a lot of damage. So if a white person writes a book, a discipleship book, um, then it's for everybody. But if an Asian American person writes a book, it's only for Asian Americans. Right. And the question is, I mean, there's some dynamics, right? Because sometimes Asian Americans don't write that broadly. They they almost feel like they have to complement the white person. But there's this, there's a fundamental problem of how we think about each other. And if you, and that's historic. It's a long historically embedded. It's it's in our structures and it's in our society. If you get rid of that historical background, then it's incomprehensible. Yeah, and, and like once again, I mean, the, the flip side of this, the immigrant churches, I mean, or even particular Asian American churches, they have their own issues, obviously, right? So Asian American churches lose when they try to be generic. 
like their benefit, the, the, the gift that they have is they can actually more specifically think about the context, right? I mean, to some degree, you can say that like a more predominantly white church, if the pastor really knows what he's doing, can actually preach a gospel that's actually more needed for that particular mm-hmm. context, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what you can't do is make any make it into a, into a, a community center, right? Make it into a country club, which is a challenge everywhere. So Daniel, as we uh, close, just two more questions. If you're a leader or a member of an Asian American church, what would you say to them? I would say fully own that, right? Fully own and not don't try to be multi-ethnic. Fully own the fact that you're Asian American at an Asian American church, which basically means you don't, you don't try to kind of make that in some general terms. Own the particular issues, own the particular challenges, own the particular gifts. And that might be a, a work that you have to do for yourself. That's what I would say. So don't be apologetic about that. If you are a leader or a member of a multi-ethnic, multicultural setting, church, community, what would be the encouragement there? Don't be happy and pat yourself on the back with cosmic diversity. Like You're not a picture of heaven. That's, that's what you have. That basically means the more diversity you have, the more of a challenge it is to get to know people and their background. Otherwise, you're only going to minister to this kind of white selves that people bring, the assimilated selves that they present to you at church. And a lot of times they they, they present to you at work as well. And of course, even as an Asian American leader, you have to figure out how do you really kind of connect with all these different dimensions of who we are. I think a lot of times Asian Americans know how to navigate white spaces. And it's actually by truncating ourselves, by editing ourselves, that's more presentable. What do you do with this other self, right? Mm. Now, it can be possible at a multi church that multiple segments of the church do that. That's a huge problem and it will not lead to deep discipleship. We're creating a community here at Centering, so we invite you to join the conversation by sending us your comments and questions at centeringpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at centered.today for a list of shows and other resources. This episode of Centering the Podcast on Asian American Christianity is produced by Jason Chu. Editing is by Carl Cathedral with music by Mark Redito. I'm your host, Kevin Doy. Above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are.